0: Welcome to another episode of Toho Yarrow. This month, I'm your host, Joey Weiser, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Kazanas. Hey, Alex.
1: Hey, Joey. I just got off of a car ride for the last several days, and boy, am I tired. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the sights? I I did. I saw the sights. Um, I took a lot of baths, despite Mm -hmm. uh, early bath closings and... um, I learned a lot about the people in my car. That's good. <laughs> and Scott Dryman is here. Hey Scott.
0: Hey Joey, how's it going? I'm good. Um yeah, so um this is a Japanese film club podcast. Um if if uh, you're just joining us and uh happy new year everybody. Oh yeah. Um, happy 2019. Yeah, uh, yeah, 2019. Here we go into I mean, our our Toho Yaro year, I think, is in July or something. But yeah, we're entering, I think, our third year, which is pretty cool.
1: What if we establish a new calendar that went by yeah. <laughs> uh, when our episode zero came out? So. <laughs> like we could yeah. do TY as the uh, signifier. That's right. This
0: is, we're currently in two TY, and we're going to be hitting three TY later this this uh, you know. <laughs> we really should document year.
1: it. So that way, like, when the ruins of America are unearthed, somebody was going to find that and be like, ah, this is the calendar, the real calendar. The real calendar. Yeah. So in the past, uh,
0: we've been covering on films in January uh, to signify the new year. But we decided to mix things up a bit uh, and do another Yoji Yamada film, 1977's The Yellow Handkerchief. And uh, I just want a quick note, uh, not to worry, uh, any Torah fans. Um, this year actually marks the 50th anniversary of the Tora-san film series, so we couldn't let that totally pass us by. We'll be doing another Tora-san film later this year. Um, but uh, yeah, to talk about a little bit about um, who's involved in this film, Um, it's written and directed by Yoji Yamada, as I mentioned, uh, who is the writer and director for, um, most of the Torasan films. Um, and, uh, this was released in October of 1977. And by that time there had been 19 Torasan films, uh, which he had directed all but two of, and by the time, uh, and, and with a 20th, uh, film on its way in, in December, so Yamada continued to create uh, films outside of Taurusan, uh throughout its entire production. And looking over at IMDb, it looks like he did like two Torusan films a year, and then a non torah film every two or three years outside of that. Uh, pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, he uh, pumps them out. That's that's pretty nuts. I thought Nika mm-hmm. had had a lot of films under his belt. <laughs> I mean, he does yeah. obviously, but yeah,
0: yeah, but, but wow. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I It seems kind of like perhaps he had gotten to a point where he was comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know what the exact rate was. I knew that there were other movies besides tora that he had been making. But I was kind of relieved to see that it was every two or three years rather than like... <laughs> and one bonus film every year on top of that or something like that. Um, but um, uh, the actors in this film, uh, it stars Ken Takakura as uh, Yusaku Shima, um, and he's one of Japan's most popular actors, and in my opinion, one of the best. Um, He's the only actor to have won the Japan Academy Prize for Lead Actor four times, uh, uh, as in that's the most times anyone's won it, and has numerous awards and recognitions outside of that. He rose to prominence through uh, Taro Ishii's Abashiri Prison Series, which is an influential prison break Yakuza series from Toei, and he's probably most well-known in the West for Sidney Pollack's uh, The Yakuza and uh, Ridley Scott's Black Rain. Uh, I haven't seen either of those.
2: I think you mean um, he's best known in the West for the Tom Selleck classic Mr. Baseball.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to mention that too. So I've seen that movie a few times when I was a kid. I don't remember it at all. I or, Well, I don't remember it super well, so I don't remember his role in it. I'd be very curious to see that. Um, I, I haven't I watched kind of it in a long time. That in retrospect, it's like probably kind of racist, <laughs> kind of
1: you know. So I um I have not seen Mr. Baseball, but I I couldn't like put my finger on where I've seen this guy before, and I don't know if I've actually seen a movie that he's done. But mm-hmm. um I was looking through his uh, filmography and I noticed that he plays the title role in the live action uh, Gogo Thirteen movie. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, that's where I've seen him because he looks like the main character of GoGo 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's two GoGo Thirteens.
0: There's one with Sonny Chiba and one with um, with Ken Takakura. Wow, that's And you've probably that's, that's... seen if you've seen <laughs> old movies, you can often spot him like on a poster in the back of a bar or something like that because he's basically like the biggest thing for a while in Japan. Um... So uh, uh, other actors include uh, Tetsuya Takeda, who played uh, Kinya Hanada. And this guy is someone who I've seen pop up uh, occasionally in other Yoji Yamada films. He's in a Torasan film and A Distant Cry from Spring, uh, which is another Yamada Takakura Baisho movie that I highly recommend. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll cover that at some point. But uh, Takeda is also a folk singer um, as well as an actor. And had the starring role in a popular long-running TV series called Kinpachi Sensei, uh, which I only know th- uh, through seeing it parodied in a lot of stuff. Um, I think if you see a big uh, like classroom of kids all surrounding their teacher and hugging each other and waving and smiling as the camera zooms out and into the sky, that's a Kinpachi Sensei reference, which I only know <laughs> as a reference. <laughs> um, and uh, Kaori Momoi plays Akemi Og- Ogawa. Um, she's an actress that I'm not super familiar with, to be honest. Uh, she's in some stuff that I've seen, but I don't really remember. She's in Akira Kurosawa's Kagemusha and Takashi Miike's Sukiyaki Western Django, um, as well as the American film Memoirs of a Geisha. Um, she's, of course, worked with Yamada several times, as kind of everybody has in this, this film. Um, she's in a 1979 Torasan film. And in two thousand six is Love and Honor, which is part of Yoji Yamada's Samurai Trilogy, um, that's, that's well-regarded. Um, I plan on watching one of those later this month, actually. Uh, side note. Um, Cheiko Baisho, uh, of course, is uh, Mitsue Shima, and we've talked about Baisho in our Torasan episodes because she plays Sakura in the Torasan series, I'd say mm-hmm. the uh, second, uh, you know, reoccurring lead in the Torasan films. Um, and she's in many of uh, Yoji Yamada's other movies outside of the series. I, I won't rehash her biographical information because we've talked about that in the tora episodes. And then um, I just, of course, we got to mention that Kiyoshi Atsumi uh, Tora-san himself, uh, is in this as the police chief. Um, again, uh, listen to our first Tora-san episode for information on him. Uh, but from what I've seen, this is pretty typical for him with Yamada's, uh, other films. He, he, Yamada likes to stick him in little cameo roles, uh, which I'd say is probably partially to give Atsumi a smaller part, considering he has to carry the other two films that he was making every year. (laughs) But also I'd say because Atsumi tends to kind of take over the scenes that he appears in. Um, and so it's probably best to leave those kind of brief, uh, fun little cameos. Mm Mm-hmm um yeah so the yellow handkerchief is inspired by a column series by an american journalist named pete hamill um from the new york post and uh this film won the first ever best picture award given by the japan academy prize which was uh formed and began began giving awards the following year um
1: and so this is the first time both of you have seen this film right yes i have uh not seen this film before uh when i watched it
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you had just recently seen a different uh yoji of film but um for the most part we've just kind of been watching some of the Torfs on films right alex
1: yeah um i recently watched um uh uh what a wonderful family or uh Kazuka uh, or kazoku wa mm-hmm. um the first one there's three of them currently and uh maybe more coming i don't know it seems to be a you know a new series by yamada but um i i really loved it um i thought it i, th- I think it's a very charming um and funny movie and uh i am awesome. looking forward to watching the rest of them yeah um, i
0: I'd, I'd like to check that out sometime and this
1: was your first time seeing it scott yeah i
2: i went in completely blind mhm
0: I, I had seen um most of the most or possibly all of the Tohorasan films by the time I'd found this movie. Um, I came across it. I remember in like a listicle of some sort, like a sort of like best hundred films or something of uh, Japanese films or something like that. Um and you know, I remember kind of looking through that list and seeing the usual suspects seeing you know Kurosawa and Seijun Suzuki and Ozu, and then uh this the thumbnail for this uh number kind of like catching my eye because it had Chieko Baisho in it and then I saw it, it was a Yoji Yamada movie and I was like oh that sounds interesting I've, I've been actually you know looking to see more of his movies um and it looked good so I tracked it down and I remember at the time I was kind of having some you know personal I was kind of at a personal low and having a lot of uh dismay in my life so I found it very cathartic and uplifting uh to see it that first time for sure um the, so, the, the this movie um, revolves around three characters. First, we meet uh, Kenya, who uh, we meet <laughs> crying on the floor of his apartment. Uh, he's just had his heart broken. Uh, uh, he's broken up by, uh, with by a girl. And Kenya seems affable, I'd say, but sort of dumb and pathetic. Uh, he wanders around night uh, at night at this point and quits his job and buys a new car and cowboy hat and sets out. <laughs> on a road trip from Tokyo to Hok- Hokkaido and um, the next we meet um, one of the other leads, Yusaku, uh, who we get hints about this early on, but it's not revealed until full later. But uh, the deal is basically that he's just out of prison. Um, our introduction to him is in a restaurant where he sits down and orders his first real meal and beer uh, since his release. And you can see that this has, like, a lot of weight to it. it. They they really, like, savor in that scene of him drinking that beer. Um, So Kinya uh, fails uh, at picking up girls uh, <laughs> until he r- runs into our third main character, Akemi. And uh, he doesn't know this, but uh, we- we're shown that she's also recently out of a relationship. Her boyfriend had cheated on her. Uh, Kenya is very pushy with her and follows her into uh, the restaurant where Yusaku's eating. Um, and uh, he's in, um, he convinces her uh, and uh, eventually, and they drive off together in his car. They don't exactly have chemistry at first, but Kinya is, as I said, very pushy, and Akemi is uh, shy and depressed, so she just kind of lets him steamroll her. Uh, but they eventually kind of hit it off. Um what what did you guys think about this sort of early introductions to these characters?
1: I had a really hard time getting into this movie. Mm. Uh I I mean I I thought it was kind of cute at first but I wasn't sure where this was going cuz I didn't read up on this movie at all. I didn't know it was I, I, I uh it took me a little bit to realize oh this is a road trip. Mm. Uh, <laughs> this is a road trip movie. Um yeah. yeah, I uh I don't know. I I didn't find Kenya particularly likable. Yeah. Um but I but uh you know, he had a weird he was really weird uh yeah his his sense of style He was very particular about the kind of cowboy hat he wants to wear uh um and the fact that he yeah uh, he was very pushy uh a couple times in the movie where he's mm-hmm. he clearly does not know how to uh talk to women or conduct himself around women um, yeah yeah Kenya's is, is
0: obviously i mean he's the one that i have the hardest time with as yeah. well
1: um uh, um but i i mean uh, Obviously, if you've seen, uh, you know, spoilers, I guess, but um, I expected the movie to be about him, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, it's not really about him, but he, I think, uh, you know, because yeah, the movie, the movie doesn't really, um, it, he he sort of gets shelved after a little bit, mm. um, and uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, by the end, by the end of the movie, I really liked the two of them, um, Akemi. She is a really cool character, um, just because she actually like you can see how m- how comfortable she gets, mm-hmm. how much more comfortable she gets with with Kenya mm-hmm. over the course of the movie, and it's like in varying degrees, like it, it it she just keeps getting more comfortable with him, but yeah, um, but not in these, not in a very typical way, yeah. If that makes yeah. any sense.
0: Yeah. How about Scott? Did you have um, any early impressions or anything?
2: Yeah, I I'll be up front and that I did not like this movie. Um uh, it's it's <laughs> well shot and acted, but I think I've just got a bunch of issues with how Yoji Yamada deals with relationships and mm-hmm. and women in general. Mm-hmm, but I was mm-hmm. pretty off put at first when like th- our protagonist's entire deal is just trying to pick up random women in front of a train station. <laughs> and it's it, yeah. it's got a real like desperate creeper vibe and then th- the point when they actually are staying at a hotel, and he promises to like, we'll just put this thing between us, and each sleep on our separate sides, and then ends up like forcing himself in what is more or less an attempted rape. Uh, yeah, that, I yeah, hate that. That, totally. that hated only that. ends because <laughs> yeah. uh, Takakura's character co- like barges in, is just mm-hmm. like really uncomfortable and bad, and I'm I I can't deal with him being just like a fun part of the gang after that because i I don't know that's just mm-hmm. irredeemable to me and then he tries to force himself on her again in the car later and mm-hmm. just like all of that grossed me out a lot and and like i said there are things in the movie like it's it's beautiful and well acted but uh those scenes and then later the way that uh the, the he he treats his wife uh just like really put me off from the movie yeah
0: i i don't uh i don't blame you for that for sure um okay well that's it's kind of good to know that that's uh where we're all coming at it from (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so so kenya and akemi uh run into yusaku at the beach and uh this is where he's he's taking photos of them and and mistakes them for newlyweds uh, they agree to take him to the train station, uh, but along the way invite him to join them on their trip to the hot springs. Uh, Yusaku's company uh, makes Akemi a little more comfortable, and I think Kenya is uh, trying to kind of accommodate her a bit, even though uh, uh, you know he would probably prefer that it just be the two of them. And then yeah, this is this is the part uh, that that we were talking about here. That's that's definitely yeah the kind of roughest part of the movie um that they booked two rooms at the inn and with yusaku in one room and kenya and akemi in the room next to his uh akemi's nervous about staying with kenya but he assures her that uh he won't try anything and like like we said he, they're gonna put the table between the two beds um and you can kind of see that he's nervous too but this is kind of a more like anticipation nerve or something like that and this whole part is very yeah. uncomfortable
2: There's also the matter that I think it's, uh, I I don't know if it's straight up illegal, but uh, unmarried men and women are not, we're not supposed to have share hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's, if it's still that way, but uh, yeah. So like when they ask him to sign the register, he gets really nervous and shifty and signs it like husband and wife. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. But does it in a way that like, so she maybe doesn't quite see that he, yeah. 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 Yeah, I yeah I will, yeah, for sure say that this is the, uh, you know, I don't know. I have trouble with it because I, I don't like this part, and I don't think it's necessarily, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting the way it's, it's dealt with, that not necessarily like, hooray, he gets redeemed in the end, but that uh, they seem to have a
1: sort of dysfunctional attraction between the two of them that I would say that they, that entire car is just yeah like, yeah the only reason why any of that works is because they're all nuts. yeah yeah um <laughs> that's like that's the that's what I told myself when I it. <laughs> I was I was like well I guess I guess they're all you know they're all in the car for a, a reason mm-hmm. <laughs> they're and they're all they're all enablers <laughs> they're all enabling mm-hmm. each other
2: and as it goes specifically for that scene, like I don't know enough about the the internals of Japanese culture in the 1970s and the like idea that Japanese women are supposed to be kind of demure even in situations like that, like whether he thought that that was just her being coy or or what. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is it, in my modern American eyes is very uncomfortable.
0: Well, I definitely see it as him not doing I mean it's obviously not him not doing the right thing but I think it's supposed to show us that he's pretty dumb like he's I think he's being broken up with at the beginning of the movie or possibly just rejected. It, I it was kind of unclear to me um uh for a reason and even amongst his friends he's sort of a bit of a you know the the boy that they pick on or whatever. And so you know, I feel like there's a there's a part later where uh, Takakura's character, you know, gives him a bit of a like pep talk, which is in its own way is, you know, uh, you know, it has has issues because it's about how women are frail and need to be protected and stuff like that, which I, I wouldn't quite agree with. But I think that what's nice about that scene is that um, it's it it does start to kind of flip things a little bit and it gives uh um kenya a different perspective that like he needs to shape up and stop being a jerk if he's uh serious about wanting to have a Kimi like him otherwise he's being a creep right um but yeah so so yeah so this is the scene where he's uh you know as we've mentioned they he forces himself on Akemi and she uh, she's only, not only like is like not into it but she like starts loudly sobbing um, and uh, which making makes it even more uh, uncomfortable uh, to watch it, it, even to the point where he finally is like not sure what to do about it but she just keeps crying and crying and then and then yusaku interrupts you know scolding them you know saying you know enough of is enough there's other guests staying here if you want to argue go outside and What I like about this, uh, the way that this is kind of resolved, is that at this point he's still keeping his distance from the two, and I kind of like the way that that's contrasted later on. Um, And also what I love about it is that it puts an end to that scene, (laughs) (laughs) which is very rough. Um,
2: It is fascinating that it's, it's such an impersonal way to deal with it, where he's not like, what are you doing? Stop this. He's just like... I'm trying to sleep over here. Mm-hmm. Stop making noise. Where like, it's clear from when he you, we see him hearing it from the next door that he's distressed by it. Yeah, but he refuses to to get that personal with mm-hmm. him at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. So you know, the next day they travel in awkward silence to the station, and Yusaku gets out, and Akemi decides to go with him. Uh, Kinya continues to be dense about <laughs> everything, and and tries to get her to stay. But she refuses, and at this point, they finally introduce themselves to each other. They hadn't even given each other their names, which is crazy. Oh God. I know. Um, when that happened, I was like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you can tell time. that when they're saying goodbye, she's still, like, kind of charmed by him. There, There's, like, a weird, like, like you said, they're all three of them are, are, are screwed up, and, like, uh, like, I called it a dysfunctional attraction, uh, for sure. Um... And uh, they, so they have this long wait for the train, and Kenya, uh, Kenya then returns with crab for lunch. And uh, they eat together and start to kind of get along again. Um, you find out that Yusaku and Kenya are both from Kyushu. Kenya and Akemi return to a more flirtatious uh, relationship, and you can see a bit more of Kenya's charm despite his uh, horrible behavior earlier. Um, or at least I could, like, I don't know, I, I can see why, like, uh, he would be kind of someone who could get along with a lot of people. Cause he's like, has a certain charm about him, I
1: think. Um, even, uh, you know, but then I, yeah, yeah. I feel like he has like a, a switch. It's like mm-hmm. a switch that's flipped, like a horny switch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to, to be yeah. blunt. He's got a um, horny
0: switch and doesn't know what to do
1: about it. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I, that's the thing, that's the really, that's the thing that sucks is that I like him for the most part, but it's hard to, because of, of how absolutely idiotic he is when it Mm -hmm. comes to, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to women, um, and the fact that he, like, throws himself on her again, which is, like, which, that second, that second time, she seems more annoyed about it than anything else, because Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like, come on, guy, again, really, like, yeah and so. yeah and
0: yeah and at least she's a bit more assertive at that point I feel like immediately being like no 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 but um so yeah so they they uh end up all going off together because uh he tries to convince her uh Kenya tries to convince Akami to come back with him but she only will if Yusaku comes along um so uh they but they do end up going off together and it turns out that kenya is allergic to the crab that he had gotten them all for lunch and they're having to stop repeatedly due to his diarrhea (laughs) um they stop at a farm and uh while he's in the bathroom uh a large farm vehicle needs uh them to move their car akemi despite uh only having a few driving lessons takes the wheel and ends up getting the car stuck in a ditch and um when they push it out finally again with her driving it ends up going out of control again and until it's finally stopped by a bale of hay um and yeah a bit
1: uh a bit of uh wacky hijinks <laughs> when it goes through the bale of hay i that was like the one time i re- I laughed really hard um mm-hmm. it's very cartoonish like yeah. it's it makes like a perfect like poof like a circle inside of the bale of hay. I was when it when it was about to hit the bale of hay, I was like, oh god, it's gonna crash! But it just goes like right through <laughs> it. Yeah, it goes right intention. through it, but
0: it provides enough of a stop for it to finally stop.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: um, yeah, so Kimmy and Kenya get in a huge fight over this, and uh, but they have to stop uh, here for the night until they can tow the car in the morning, and the farmers invite them to stay for the night, and. Wow. Um, no, oh, go ahead.
2: Uh, I was going to say something about the car is that the the beginning of the movie is after he gets that letter from that girl, is he cashes in his entire life savings to buy that car, which right. it like he thinks is super fancy. I I don't. It's the the Mazda Familia is the equivalent of a Mazda Protege over here. It's not yeah. like a, it, the one he gets is is very shiny and red and looks very fancy, but I don't think it's mm-hmm. a particularly nice car but I do love how it gets progressively just more destroyed throughout that scene. (laughs)
0: And
2: and from then on, it's like no longer shiny. There's like a big part missing out of the grill. It's great.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's something also that kind of adds to what I do find, uh, charming and kind of likable about him is that he, you know, he puts so much value in this car, but it's a sort of like rinky dink little car, but it's the best he could afford, you know? And so, it's it's that those parts where he starts to kind of lean towards the like, um, I, I I don't know, I, I, I hate to keep using the same word, but the sort of more charming side of pathetic rather than the like detestable side of pathetic, which he also swings to. Um, so, yeah, so here's where he tries to force himself on on Akimi again inside the car uh, and is broken up uh, by Yusaku again coming in and, and uh, delivering the news that they can stay um, yeah, um, it just always, like, whatever starts as some sort of nice flirtation between the two always escalates too fast, uh, because of the horny switch. Uh, I like that, um, <laughs> description. Um, and, you know, Akemi's, uh, understandably upset, and back at the farmhouse, she's sort of ignoring Kenya and playing with the kids, uh, so Kinya goes up to sleep with, uh, Yusaku this time, and before bed, Yusaku gives Kinya, uh, a stern and, uh, much-needed talking to, um and you know this is kind of like as one guy from kyushu to another you know um and yeah and i'd say uh what is somewhat outdated view um uh by our eyes um with this idea that like like i said that women need to be protected cuz they're so fragile and stuff uh i think it's still an important moment in turning kenya's attitude around a bit and also in kind of starting to have yusaku open up a bit uh there's a funny part at the end where he says like uh that from where he comes from they call Kenya uh guys like Kenya uh third-rate ball players cuz they never score and he does a little like fist in the uh catcher's mitt <laughs> uh indication.
1: Yeah, I so uh as outdated as all of that uh as his entire speech is, I took I took it as like him telling uh Kenya the equivalent of uh take 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 their feelings into account mm-hmm. yeah more totally. Than yeah just it, because that's kind of what he does after that mm-hmm. um to a degree but then 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 uh then the movie kind of becomes solely about Yusuku, uh, yusaku so mm-hmm. um yeah well i you know i think that this what this does is it's sort of like so there's
0: two uh assault attempts and there's two different reactions from yusaku you know at the beginning he's just like hey knock it off and then, you know, doesn't get involved. But now he's finally kind of getting closer to them and opening up. And I like I like that uh, as a as a sort of, I don't know, gradual build. Um,
1: sure. In some ways. Uh,
0: so the next day, uh, they're back on the road and uh, seemingly getting along again. Um, but when Yusaku gets off at the next station, Akemi insists that he stay with them. Um, Yusaku is done with them, though. <laughs> he's ready to go. Uh, so they park uh, in the city, and as Kenya is backing into his space, he scrapes a parked car. And being hot-headed and dumb, he actually kicks the car in anger. And out comes a tough guy yakuza with a pretty funny little like <laughs> gelled hair curl at the at the uh, tip of his forehead. Um, the yakuza attacks Kenya until Yusaku intervenes, and uh, it's a pretty surprising bit—a kind of like flash of. Uh, quick violence where after taking a few hits yusaku ends up grabbing the yakuza guy and slamming his head repeatedly into the hood and um and then they kind of rush off into the car and i don't know at this point you're starting to kind of question like who this guy is a little bit or i was at least being like huh okay (laughs) he's maybe you know "Hmm, this guy has something else to him and uh, then they reach this police checkpoint, and Yusaku isn't able to provide a driver's license because uh, his has long expired, and this is when we learn that he's been in jail for the past six years on a murder charge. And uh, here he's taken to a police station, and this is where we get our uh, Kiyoshi Kameo cameo uh, as the police chief Watanabe. Uh, he looks pretty different than uh, Taurasan, but uh, still has quite the presence. Uh, I think uh, I feel like he just kind of like soaks up a scene when when he comes in. Um, what
1: did you guys think when he showed up? Um, I was like, "Hey, there he is!" Yeah. shout out to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was, an, it was a mild surprise, I guess. But I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, he'll he'll steal the show." Yeah, totally. Um, I like how he has just to make him look a
0: little different. He's grown out a little mustache, but it's like barely grown out, and he keeps kind of tugging at it a little bit. And I don't know. Um,
2: yeah, I I had looked up the the cast list beforehand, so I knew who that his character was the, the police chief. Mm-hmm. and so i was not surprised but i like as as down as i always am on the torson movies it was still pretty fun to see him and i liked seeing him uh stretch his legs in a different role that is st- he still does a little kind of like some very subtle scenery chewing a little mm-hmm. bit uh but he's he's very charming in his role
0: yeah totally i mean he yeah his main thing is that he just kind of like jokes around with everybody in the office and this like ramen delivery girl and stuff so it is just kind of a quick little reprieve where he gets to kind of strut around and (laughs) (laughs) like he owns the place um here we find out that he knows uh yusaku actually because he used to work in the town where yusaku lived and um and and was there when he was arrested and so things are straightened out and yusaku is allowed to go on his way um Kinyan and Kemi are there uh waiting for Yusaku and they talk him into accompanying uh them on his uh on his way back home. Uh and this is where we finally get his backstory. Um we've seen bits and pieces uh of the flashbacks throughout the film that I was just kind of skimming over, but this is where we kind of get everything together. Um He was a delinquent kid in Kyushu. Uh, getting into trouble previously arrested uh for fighting at age 22 and eventually he left that life behind and moved to Hokkaido at 30 uh he worked there as a coal miner and and was pretty isolated and miserable the only thing that kept him there was uh, was meeting Mitsue um who worked at a grocery store he fell in love with her at first sight and it wasn't until much later that they actually talked to each other uh she asked him if his wife was ill just assuming that he was married and uh, since uh, he always does the shopping, uh, to which he replied that he was single and asks her if she's married, and she says that she's also single. And uh, this is a scene that's, like, weirdly very awkward and intense. I, I think that they're both kind of, like, I don't know. It, it's the, it, Their whole relationship is, is pretty fraught. Like, they, they seem kind of almost scared of each other a lot of the time. It's it's interesting
1: to me. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't tell... Uh how mutual this was actually Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that like uh, Yusaku was sort of acting as a parallel to Kinyang like Mm -hmm. he was basically sort of uh, I I couldn't tell if if there was attraction on her side at first
0: yeah and I think that's intentional because I think that's where we kind of get to is that he's not sure if he's forced her like we realize that that he doesn't even know what she feels for him which is like crazy um uh and but yeah so you know they they start dating and are eventually married uh their relationship oh go ahead
2: before you get that far that i that does bear out like the reason she's being so skittish towards him and like they go on on dates and there's that moment where she falls down in the snow and he picks her up and then kisses her Mm -hmm. and at, at first my impression of that was like she like pushes him back and runs away. And my Mm -hmm. impression of that was like, Oh no, this is Kenya all over again. Uh, And then later she comes running into her house. And the reason that she's been so skittish about him and like hiding from him is not that she doesn't have feelings for him, but it's because she uh, is, uh, was previously married. It's not explained Mm -hmm. whether she's divorced or widowed or whatever, but she's because she was previously married. She thinks that, he would not want her and so she tells him and then after that they they once she's like put that on the table he still loves her and they get married
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so they're both kind of carrying their own burdens from their previous life into into it but they they accept each other and stuff which is which is nice um So, eventually, Mitsuë becomes pregnant. Um, She has a doctor appointment uh, to determine for sure, but uh, Yusaku has to go to work and to signify whether or not uh, he should come home with a celebratory uh, sake, they agree that she'll hang a yellow handkerchief from the pole outside the house if the answer is yes. So, sure enough, he sees that yellow handkerchief and and comes home and is very delighted. But uh, we skip ahead uh, a bit, and unfortunately she ends up miscarrying. And at the doctor, Yusaku learns that she had been pregnant once before from her previous marriage. And he had known about the marriage, but not about the pregnancy. And he does not take this well. Um, I, You know, I'd say that he was more stricken with grief and shock uh, than anything. Uh, there probably is still some of the uh unfortunate hangings of sexism lying you know hanging over here but uh he, he ends up uh drunk and having a fight with uh Mitsue and, and he leaves the house and bumps into a guy in town who he gets into a fight with and ends up beating to death. Uh it's a pretty brutal heavy scene. Um in it, it it's there's a lot of these sort of like <laughs> whiplash shifts kind of uh throughout this movie. Uh, it's
2: very interestingly shot scene in that it's this really dark alleyway where he's accosted by those two people, kind of mm-hmm. harassing him, and so it, it's such a different tone from everything else, and it's near impossible to see a lot of what's going on, and
0: mm-hmm. it, it
2: just fits the tone of the scene really well, even though, like you said, it's pretty big whiplash from the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah. Um, so at this part, is uh, he's still telling the story to them, but they, they stop off at a hotel. I just wanted to mention that we also... The hotel is managed by Hisao Dazai, which is another Torasan regular cameo. He's the octopus-like manager of the printing press yeah. next door. Yeah, <laughs> Tago. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice to see him. Uh, so at the hotel, they finish the story. Um, so Yusaku was arrested, and in jail, he forced uh, Mitsue to, to get a divorce, uh, he felt like he had pushed her into the marriage, and now he was pushing her to get the divorce. Um, you know, and yeah, like we were saying, this is kind of an interesting mix uh, for me, showing showing compassion, I'd say, on Yusaku's part, but also total ignorance of Mitsuë's feelings. Um, and so it it shows that this is a sort of, like, frustrating, but I would, I I don't know, have sympathy for the character. Uh, he doesn't really seem to know whether or not she wanted to be with him to begin with. Um, and this is obviously, you know, hard for him. Um, so Yusaku says that he'll be looking for work uh, in the Sapporo area if he can get it. Um, and, and after he leaves, this is this is back in current time, uh, we see that Kinya is touched by the story. Uh, he and Akemi are both <laughs> crying and uh, he and akimi share a, a nice moment much different uh, than the last time they shared a room for sure uh and at the last minute uh yusaku changes his mind though and instead he's gonna go to yubari where he lived with mitsue um he didn't know whether or not she's moved on but uh, earlier in the movie he sent off a postcard uh to her and uh in, on that postcard, he wrote that if she wants him back, she can ye- hang a yellow handkerchief from the pool, just like they had uh, agreed previously with the pregnancy news. Um, Akemi and Kenya are are excited by this and, and decide to take Yusaku there themselves. Uh, Yusaku is, is totally nervous, and again, he tries to bail, but they convince him to go. Um, he doesn't even <laughs> have to look, they decide. He, he, he shies uh, his eyes down, but they... Uh, will look for him as long as they give him or as long as he can give them directions. And so we drive uh, through his town, eventually stopping at a bathhouse where you can see his house um, from. And Kimmy and Kenya get out of the car and look around. And to their shock, there's not only uh, one handkerchief but uh, hanging from the pole, but uh, dozens streaming down from both sides of it. Uh, I don't know. I love this visual. Uh, I think it's somewhat spoiled by the poster. Uh, yeah, I saw the, ma- the
2: marketing materials and it's nothing but the, just like the banner of all the yellow handkerchiefs, which I mean, like the style of the movie. Yeah. And I know. Yeah. Based I on feel an like ex- it
0: kind of sucks, but.
2: <laughs> and, and I mean the, the contemporary, uh, of the film basis for it, the Pete Hamill short story, which I did know, um, was incredibly popular so it's Mm -hmm. not like it was and it's a it was in a newspaper column it's not a long story so i'm sure the audience going to see it probably already knew the the synopsis of the story going in so uh, i do really like one shot when they're looking around and they're looking in all the wrong directions and can't see it Mm -hmm. Uh, you actually see the banner uh, streaming behind uh, kenya it like out Mm. of focus right behind right over your shoulder which is yeah
0: yeah i love that shot yeah i and you know that's that whole thing about kind of uh the argument against the idea of spoilers is that yeah even now seeing this movie multiple times i still get very excited when i see it and i and i get very excited even at that first moment of just sort of like out of focus (laughs) yellow handkerchiefs
1: um yeah it was so nice like i loved that part like so much mm -hmm. um when you see it it's just uh i don't know it's like the sweetest fucking thing i've ever seen but like <laughs> uh it seem it, it's it's so weird because that that entire story almost feels completely separate from the rest of the movie mhm um you know he just happens to be in the car with them so yeah. that's that's how it gets uh gets revealed um but no that that i honestly must have forgotten the poster or something like that, because I like that came as a huge surprise to me.
0: Oh, awesome! That's good. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so we kind of wrap up the movie here with uh, Yusaku approaches his home and is reunited with Mitsue. Uh, it's a very emotional moment, although pretty brief. Uh, we see Yusaku and Mitsue from afar. Uh, Mitsue is breaking down, crying, and and they go into the house. Yusaku is you know remaining stoic, uh, but you can kind of you know that this means a lot to him. Um, and finally we're left with Kenya and Akimi making out in a car, uh, as they're told to get a room, uh, by some drivers of a Decatura truck. Um, so we yeah, get as a soon little as I saw that truck. I was like, Oh, I wonder if that's anybody we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we get a little truck yarrow at the end of this movie, you know, it, this was filmed in, or this came out in 77. So, uh, that would be about halfway through the truck yarrow run. So. Um, I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily like a shout out to that or just kind of like, hey, this is kind of a cool environmental thing to throw in. But um, but yeah, I I always uh, I I like that. I was (laughs) I remember the first time I saw that I was like, oh, my God. Um, So (laughs) anyway, uh, you know, uh, as we've said over and over again, I have I have mixed feelings about Kenya, but hopefully he'll get his act together uh and they'll work it out or break up and whatever but <laughs> and and chemistry will be fine but um i do like that he tosses out his goofy hat at the end of the movie uh right before we get a uh, shot of the yellow flags and and it says you know the end Da-da-da. um okay so um we've talked a little bit about uh our overall feelings about the movie um Let's start. Let, let, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your feelings about it, Scott?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've already gone over like my feelings on Kenya and how I was just grossed out about that. But it, it, it's also uh, Yusaku uh, mm-hmm. bothers me a lot too because I was excited to watch a film where we get more by Show. Basho. Mm-hmm. Uh, but much like the torison films most of what she does in this is uh sit around looking upset because the man in her life did terrible things and which was very disappointing to me but like yeah. the the way that uh, isaku treats his wife uh, is just it, like he thinks he's doing the right thing but it's just so incredibly cruel and then on top of that like the entire movie women are are doing the emotional labor for men like akimi is doing all the real work for Yusaku, because Mm -hmm. she's the one he keeps being like no turn around turn around she's the one that's driving him to go reunite with with his wife Mm -hmm. and uh, mitsue who like probably does deserve better than a husband who's not even sure if he really wants to go back home and force them to divorce Mm -hmm. uh is is like waiting excitedly for him to return, and it, I don't. And then, then to cap it all off, at the end of the film, Kenya gets rewarded for okay. for harassing Akimi the whole movie, mm-hmm. and just like all of that adds up to stuff that really bothers me. And like I said, I the the movie is is really beautiful. It's really well made. Uh, the performances are all great, especially Takakura. Um. But yeah, just like all of the 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 story stuff, just rubs me so the wrong way that I I can't truck with it.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's um, understandable for sure. Um, you know, I yeah, I'd say one thing that that brings up is something I want to talk about is uh, I have kind of two main points against this movie. There's both 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 basically what you mentioned is that you know. Ke- Kenya is really tough to watch, and we've covered that a lot. Um, and, but, like, um, also, yeah, Chieko Baisho doesn't have a lot of screen time and um, is kind of left again in this role, and that, that is a huge bummer. You know, there's another Yoji Yamada movie called A Distant C- Cry from Spring um, that I mentioned earlier where I feel like they have a bit more of an a equal role uh, with each other. Um, it's not like she's just a sort of like flashback character who gets brought up at, at the end again. Um, and I, I like that a bit more, uh, in retrospect. Takakura is uh,
2: in that as well, isn't he?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's both of them. It's Takakura and Baisho again. Um, <clears throat> and, but instead it's about them meeting and kind of, you know, a story about the two of them rather than. Uh, following Takakura with Baisho being almost kind of a background uh, character, so um, I don't know. So who knows? Uh, I I hate to keep inflicting these movies <laughs> on you that you don't like, but I maybe like to cover that at some point.
2: I mean, it it I think it makes for interesting podcast material at the least.
1: <laughs> sure yeah i was actually yeah. thinking about about you scott today when i was watching because i was like oh scott's not gonna like this movie <laughs> and, and and it made me sad because i'm like oh well it's another yoji Yamada movie scott won't like but i think you will like um uh what a wonderful family yeah i i, I, I do it. in earnest think that that you will uh enjoy that movie yeah
2: and from your uh, description of it, it seems really charming i would like to to because like i said he's a he's an incredibly talented director i just have had so many issues with a lot of his writing Mm
0: -hmm. uh what what are your general
1: thoughts alex um the ending really made up for how i felt through most of the movie Mm -hmm. to be honest um Mm -hmm. i thought that the ending was a like a like a a really solid hit um as soon as i saw like all of those handkerchiefs i was like that's like the sweetest fucking thing (laughs) um (laughs) I like I was sort of in in Akemi's boat there where she's like uh she has this view of romanticism I guess um and that's sort of what's driving her to help uh Isaku and yeah. um uh that's that's sort of where where my mind was uh and um as a whole like I I like I said I didn't get it at first but then once I sort of got that it was a road trip movie i was like okay but even i think uh, this might be as far as road trip movies go one of the most um unremarkable and and the reason i say that is because most road trip movies generally when they stop uh you know they they go to a new place and have some sort of new wacky hijink i think Mm -hmm. the the one thing i really liked was when um you know the car went through the hay bale Mm-hmm. But aside from that, like, it was basically sort of like, oh, well, we're going to stay here and um Kenya's going to uh, attempt to assault uh, a <laughs> yeah. Kemi yeah. uh, And that happens like twice as opposed to like something like Kikujiro, where every time they stop, they meet somebody new or they do something really like whimsical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
2: was going to say the, the both the that scene where she moves the car up to the point where they're her and, and Kenya are in the car together. And also the scene where he scratches the Yakuza's fancy, actual fancy car up to the point where Yusuku starts like bashing his head in. Uh, both of those, up to those points where it changes in tone drastically, reminded me a lot of Hikajiro in good ways.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that, about how there's not a lot of like, yeah, like road trip kind of plot stuff. It's, it's all character. Uh, to some extent um
1: yeah. yeah um and and i think uh i guess from a certain lens you could also view it as uh sort of kenya's journey to becoming a man mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least some but like at least this is him sort of growing up because he's a different character by the end of it for the most part um than how he starts yeah um, i
0: would like to think that that that's what we kind of go through is that Kenya and um, Yusaku like are uh, we see those lows so that we can see I don't know I I feel like there's a lot of uh, humanity in 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 Yamada's movies in that he shows people being terrible but also gives us like some hopefulness that that they can change or that they have goodness within them. Um, and things like that, I don't know, which all sound very cliched, but are things that I like. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and Akemi as a character too sort of grows in a way where she's, um, well, she becomes a little less shy, and mm-hmm. I think she also is the one, she's the like, like the moral compass a little bit. Like mm-hmm. she's she's the one who sort of shapes up both uh, Yusuku and, and Kina, mm-hmm. um through what she does or what she says um like if it was just the two guys on the road trip uh <laughs> none of, none of their arcs would have resolved in a in any particular right, way yeah. at all they would yeah continue to go dumber, so dumber y- basically she's sort of the glue <laughs> yeah uh when you think about that um but yeah that's uh, well yeah my thoughts are very mixed on this movie but um i thought the ending kind of s- sort of saved it a little bit um Uh, and I guess talking about it and realizing that they're all going on, you know, they're all going on a journey where if one of them wasn't a part of it, uh, the end result wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, um, you know, I love this movie. I
0: understand, uh, those flaws and that what things make it frustrating and difficult to recommend, but. Um yeah, I think just the, the like in general um I I have an overall good feeling about this movie. Um and I feel like it did help also for me to kind of be excited to explore the rest of Yoji Yamada's filmography not just the Toraison films to be like, "Hey, I like Toraison because I like these characters" or something like that, like to really understand that uh Yoji Yamada himself is a really uh great filmmaker to kind of investigate a bit more and and another thing uh that um it it brought to light to me is ken takakura um you know i don't recall for sure but i feel like i'd maybe seen one or two old yakuza movies that he was in that were like pretty good but not um didn't didn't completely blow me away or anything like that but he has such a like I don't know. He has such a heaviness uh that he brings to his role and and in this and it's very like palpable and uh, everything he does like has a lot of weight and depth to it, I feel like. Um and uh, after seeing him in some more films uh from more around this time period, I've really comfortably put him at the top of my favorite uh Japanese actors list, you know, uh in in the <laughs> special club up there with T- Takashi Shimura and stuff. I think he's just really really excellent
1: um yeah uh, um uh, i was gonna say that uh i am i i really just want to explore his movies a little more mm -hmm. um i didn't realize how huge he was until i looked him up yeah um and like people refer to him as ken son like that's his Mm -hmm. like that's that's (laughs) I mean people refer to him just by his first name and he's got to be big right <laughs> Yeah totally um he's he's a
0: he's a name you'll hear a lot in kind of old movies uh when people talk about hunks or something they'll they'll <laughs> they'll talk about Ken Takakura cuz he was quite the 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 you know like a Tom Cruise or something you know um that just one of those names that is a shorthand for like movie star you know Um, I
2: had heard his name before and knew that he was a a big deal during his period of cinema in Japan, but uh, I had somehow never seen anything else with him in it, uh, which was like, well, if he's that big, why haven't I seen him before? mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was was really blown away by his performance in this. And previously, I had just known him as, as... that guy who looked like gogo 13 that they cast to play <laughs> gogo 13 um but yeah i'm I'm super uh, excited to see more of him because he's just so good
0: yeah i'm curious to see that gogo 13 because the idea with gogo is he's supposed to be completely like emotionless and you know whatever uh so it would be interesting to see exactly how he does this, but I, I think a big part of that is that Takakura's filmography is like not super available. Like, um, he's on, he's in, um, uh, that movie that Speed was based on, uh, the bullet train, uh, that's available through Twilight Time. that' whoa, whoa. Pe- people that, what? <laughs> uh, the movie Speed about a fast train that's gonna blow up. Or fast bus, bus. is about well then, well then becomes on a
1: train yeah yeah it's, is
0: like loosely inspired by a 70s movie from around this time uh, that this was made called Bullet Train where a terrorist has put a bomb on a bullet train and if the bullet train goes under a certain speed it will explode and it's a it's a super all star cast um, and Takakura is in it um, as spoiler alert the terrorist. Um, that's not a spoiler. He—that's his character. But um, and so oh he's the God. sort of main focus of this. And again, you know, has this sort of weight and heaviness to
1: his to his role because you know what would push a man to do this type of thing. Um, yeah. So sorry to do. Der- I don't mean to derail. No, no pun intended. But I had just seen the movie Speed for the first time a couple months ago as I oh, was recording. Oh, oh wow. wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I loved it. <laughs> um, it's a fun and, movie. Uh, yeah, and now that I know that it's based off of an old Japanese movie with, as you say, an all-star cast, I gotta, I gotta watch it.
0: It's great. It's super long. Uh, it's one of those that's like two and a half, two forty-five, something like that uh, hours. Um, but it's, it's good. It's very compelling. It's good. Um, yeah, maybe uh, we can do that sometime. I don't know.
2: Uh, something mostly unrelated is that talking about this podcast with friends I have noticed that almost every Japanese film regardless of genre clocks in at like two hours on the dot including this one
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like 145 is the sort of like short end <laughs>
1: yeah that's an interesting thing um well that's the thing I've noticed about Japanese cinema is that there's uh uh I'm not gonna say there's less content, but I think there is. Like there's there's less there's less deals. There's one usually one or two overall arcing uh uh themes or, or something going on and and the actors sort of like take their time and, and there's a lot of like chewing, mm-hmm. like scenery chewing and, and patience and I think that uh that speaks a lot to um I guess how one perceives uh, a movie from japan yeah um, totally you
0: know? yeah there's this idea of decompressed storytelling that like all the comics people were like super obsessed with in the early like when people were just getting into manga and stuff people loved to like show uh you know lone wolf and cub a guy walking for <laughs> six pages just down the road you know uh, where it's just setting a mood and stuff like that Um, Mm -hmm. and that definitely comes from the same uh the same roots for sure so um alex did you have a favorite part of the film that you wanted to highlight
1: uh yeah i mentioned already the uh the haystack Mm -hmm. uh i thought (laughs) that was really funny that was good um it was very silly and um and it was just a very very comedic scene just all the beats like hey uh, you know how to drive she's like oh well i i never finished driver school but i you know i I know a thing or two and then he sees how the car is dented and he's freaking out and then <laughs> turns out she's got her foot on the gas the whole time and I, I don't know I think it's a very funny scene mm-hmm. I, um, I had a lot of fun watching it
2: I really like the comedic timing of like oh no she's she's never completed driver school something's terrible is going to happen and then the terrible thing is she just kind of like drives the real rear wheel kind of into a ditch a little bit and then they yeah. fix that and yes. then the terrible thing happens <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and there's a lot of kind of back and forth with like who's gonna push the car and and stuff like that. Um, so how about you, Scott? Anything that you wanted to highlight that we haven't talked about? Uh,
2: Ken. Well, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but my favorite part of this movie is Ken Takakura's face. Uh, yeah. Just like the the emoting he does, even when he's like not doesn't have lines to do, is just fantastic
0: yeah he can really uh and boy just that scene where he drinks that beer at the beginning he like scrunches his face up in a really crazy way Mm -hmm. that's like what like and then he just
2: inhales those noodles yeah yeah there's so much emotion it's so
0: great because it doesn't like i don't know it's a kind of face that you're like oh did you mean to do that to get like caught on film for all
1: posterity (laughs) like (laughs) it doesn't look cool at all but it's so good um that scene, um when he's eating the ramen reminded me of Tompopa just because he's <laughs> yeah. eating he's eating it in a very methodical way, yeah, uh, and the way he like jerks uh jerks the noodles up to like um to, you know shake off the broth a little bit before putting it to his mouth like yeah it's it's somehow
2: uh, simultaneously uh like hurried and reverent for it,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot yeah. of yeah anticipation and like.
1: Um, trying to savor it, but like really wanting it, you know. <laughs> yeah, God, it's it. God, we need to stop talking about ramen. I ate ramen yesterday for lunch, <laughs> and I am hungry for ramen again. Like I would go out right now and get ramen and eat it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I I wanted I I put down that my
0: favorite part of the film is the flashback towards the the end. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I'd say that it's uh, you know, definitely the heart of the story, but it's also uh. You know the part where we get the most of uh, Takakura and Baisho acting uh, together, and they both really go for it. Um, and so that's 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 something that uh, I like about it. Uh, it also, in kind of reflecting on it today, it it made me realize that it this flashback inserted towards the end to kind of make everything click together reminds me of Hiro Oda's storytelling techniques uh, in One Piece. Oh man, like um, Mm-hmm. It's or name a story arc, kind of to some <laughs> extent, but yeah, that's he he does that a lot, where he gives you these little bits and pieces where you're like, this doesn't quite fit. I don't know what this means, but it seems it seems odd. And then the story arc, you know, the flashback kind of pulls everything together and makes you go, oh. And then and then that makes the ending, you know, have a lot of emotional resonance and stuff. So
1: yeah. Uh. Oh, uh quick quick sidebar. I think we talked about this um we well, yeah, we talked about this off mic uh in our chat, but uh so the um the title of the movie uh the yellow handkerchief um there is a uh yellow handkerchief reference in One Piece. Uh one of Brook's songs is the white handkerchief of happiness. Um or I'm sorry, the black handkerchief of happiness, but mm-hmm. the uh uh it it is uh i'm 90 percent sure it is a reference to this movie yeah because that's
0: the the yeah the the full title uh in japanese is the yellow handkerchief of happiness and and i didn't realize that uh until you brought that up and yeah i, I that's got to be a reference for sure yeah um so shall we dance uh we're in a funny situation here um where yeah. like uh <laughs> shall we dance uh there actually has been an american remake uh of this film Uh, I kind of like that cyclical nature of this film being based on American articles and then eventually being remade as an American movie, (laughs) kind of making its way to Japan and back. Um, The film uh, has actually been remade several times. There's a Japanese made-for-TV version starring Bunta Sugawara that I would love to see. Um, There's a clip online comparing the two scenes of them, uh, of Yusaku going into the restaurant and ordering that first beer that we were talking about um and it's really really fascinating to watch them their two performances back to back um the, the you know the tv film looks a little cheaper and i think that sugawara's performance is obviously like a little less nuanced <laughs> surprise surprise but um i still am a huge sugawara fan and and um would love to see uh, that somehow some way um according to wikipedia there's also a malaysian version of this movie uh, as well as a thai version uh, that I've actually seen, the Thai version. It's a little wackier. They lean on the goofy comedy a bit harder. Um, it's uh, I think something that was interesting about seeing that is that uh, it gives you a sort of different landscape. Uh, uh, for instance, their car breaks down in a jungle instead of uh, on the farm. Um, but anyway, as for this U.S. remake, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> um haven't seen the U.S. Shall We Dance either, so I guess this is on brand uh, for me. But... Uh, Friend of the show, Jason Rainey, uh, who's recommended a few movies that we've covered so far, um, has seen it, though, and he sent me uh, uh, some messages describing some of it to me, and some of the differences, uh, according to Jason, uh, are thus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, The film uh, actually begins with the Yusaku character. Uh, I'll just go ahead and call them by their Japanese names, since that's what we've just been talking about, but it actually starts with yusaku and keeps the focus on him uh rather than Kinya and akemi uh, so it kind of puts uh rather in this movie where we're seeing yusaku's story through their eyes uh it's just kind of following the yusaku character the whole way and um uh jason felt that the Kinya and akemi characters were aged down a little bit um making uh yusaku's father figure role uh more obvious uh, and uh, making their sexual encounters feel more creepy. Uh, very... Oh, no. Yusaku <laughs> uh, and Mitsuë um, own a boat in their flashback, and she would raise a yellow sail for him instead. And uh, uh. and in the present, uh, she at the end of the movie, she ends up um, raising a bunch of yellow handkerchiefs in the shape of a sail. Um, and the film takes place in Louisiana post-Hurricane Katrina, adding a bit more of a somber tone to the whole thing, and uh, Jason felt like the movie didn't do much to clothe the characters in iconic outfits the way uh, they they were very distinctly dressed in this one. Um, finally, he noted that uh, Kenya's character uh, repeatedly makes claims of having Native American heritage, which never really amounts or pays off uh, to anything uh, in the film, which he has it was wondering if maybe that... It was just to just justify his cowboy inspired fashion that they felt obligated <laughs> to put him in. I don't
1: know. Bizarre. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, uh, that kind of reminds me about, uh, Kenya, uh, mentioning that his, you know, he, he comes from a, you know, an upstate, uh, upstanding family and he's actually not a hick. Yeah. From, hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe it has something to do with that. The uh the Thai one, I remember, there was a lot more with like Kenya uh supposedly knowing martial arts and trying to like fight people with it. And I was like, what is the deal with this? And then when I rewatched the Japanese version, it does start with him doing some like bad karate moves. All uh, his friends
2: are at a boxing gym, so I think yeah. he
0: thinks he's Yeah not
2: shit like they are.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, I don't um, know if we mentioned yet. I was gonna run through the actual cast list. It's yeah, uh, I was about to get there. Okay, do you, you want
0: to cover it?
2: Um, I can do it. Uh, Yusuke is played by William Hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. Mitsue is Maria Bello. Akimi is Kristen Stewart, and Kenya is Eddie Redmayne. Which that's yeah, yeah, some yeah, interesting Stewart. casting. <laughs>
0: And and uh wow, Kaori Mamoy, uh, the original Akemi, also is uh in it as the motel owner, which I assume is uh, a similar spot of the movie where the Hisao Desai uh, cameo would have come in. I'd imagine it's kind of funny.
2: Um but yeah, it's it's weird to me or like fascinating to me that instead of just trying to do a retelling of the original mm-hmm. Uh, story which is basically like a bunch of hippies pick up some guy on the road uh, like a a number of them not just a a boy and a girl Um, but that they it is a straight-up remake of the Japanese film itself Um, and it was also apparently a huge bomb
0: (laughs) yeah Um, i never heard of it
2: and made like cost $50 million to make, and made something under 400000 at the box office, which I, th- I think it had a limited release, but still, that's pretty horrible. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if they felt like the uh, movie pulled things together into more of a narrative that they felt comfortable telling or something like that. I don't
1: know. Oh, William Hurt. God, I was... I was thinking of John Hurt. Oh, no. no. Not quite (laughs) that out there.
2: William Hurt's actually, I think, pretty decent casting for a gruff ex-con going back to meet his
0: wife. Mm -hmm. I also like that Kenya's uh, name is Gordy.
1: (laughs) Gordy. What a dork. (laughs) This movie sounds bizarre. Like, it sounds absolutely bonkers. Like, I, I don't know how how much the post Katrina, Louisiana factors into it either. Yeah, it sounded like I mean, just from what Jason was
0: telling me, it sounded like it just kind of puts a general mood, like everything's just kind of a little
1: like somber because wow. of it. Um like ten this was like eleven years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like Eddie Redmayne was a, a little boy. Yeah he was a tiny
0: baby man. Yeah and Kristen Sewers like he kinda
1: kind of looks like he kinda of looks like a little teen right now. Yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a fully grown adult. So, like back then. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Takashi Shimura award.
0: Uh, anybody have any nominations for outstanding or um, scene-stealing performance?
1: Well, I mean, I guess just because I love Tora so much and uh, you know, Kiyoshi Atsume of course is like he just enters my brain, but honestly, uh, Ta- uh Takamura like mm-hmm. Like I know he's a main character, but like he's he's awesome. He like he nails it.
0: Well, you know, just as uh, Takashi Shimura shines in small roles like in Tora-san, uh he also steals the film when he's the star, like in Ikiru. So uh, yeah, I I yeah, that's basically where I came down on. I I said you know Atsumi definitely stands out in my mind as stealing the scene that he was in both. Partially because it was crafted that way, uh, you know, <laughs> but also because that's just his, like, skill set. But um, when I reflect on this movie, I think of Takakura number one, for sure. Yeah, it
2: feels almost like any time people put a, like, Terry Gilliam cameo in their movie. Like, the it's it's notable and interesting, but it's kind of off to the side to the rest mm-hmm. of the movie and not something that, like, really sticks with you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um... All right. So, um, any any last words for the yellow handkerchief?
1: Um, did I say ta- Takamura? Because I meant uh, takakura. takakura. Yeah, yeah we, we figured. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just I'm just putting that in there so I don't have to edit it out later. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh, let's. Uh, what are we gonna do next month?
0: Uh, next month is Scott, right?
2: Yeah, that's me. Uh, I, I thought we were going through kind of a dry spot of Chambara films, so we're going to be doing Lone Wolf and Cub Sword of Vengeance, the first oh, nice. of the Lone Wolf and Cub movies.
1: Awesome. excellent. I, uh, I've i not seen a single one or read the manga, so um, actually, do you recommend the manga like first before reading mm. or, or watching the movie? I don't know. I think it's
0: pretty similar. I don't think it necessarily... I've read the first volume of the manga like a long time ago, and they were on those little tiny books that were like... <laughs> they are like, you know how manga's small? What if it was smaller and harder to read? But, um... <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think, you know, if you have time, check out the manga, but I, I think that you get everything you need from the film. Uh, I have the Criterion set, so these, these are available uh, through Criterion. Uh, if people want to see those, and wherever Criterion stuff is uh, streaming,
2: do they have that back up yet?
0: Uh, I don't think so, but I think that that would make it on like iTunes and maybe yeah. Amazon. <coughs> but, yeah, this uh,
2: is this is accessible. Yeah, and if you it's really want to get wild, you can watch the uh, the American edit of it, *Shogun Assassin*,
0: mm-hmm. which is the first um, two movies
1: sandwich. Yeah. Together. yeah. Oh wow! Shogun Assassin sounds just like typical American, like oh, let's sandwich two random Jep, like Japanese esque, <laughs> oh, yeah. words together. Oh yeah. Well, Assassin's not a Japanese word, but it's very, you know. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and shout out to um, our friend Grant, who was on our uh, recent Godzilla episode, uh, Blade Looking Thieves, just did an episode covering the second um, um, film, so you could uh, watch number one and two and then have two podcasts to listen (laughs) nice yeah um so uh scott where can people find you online
2: uh people can find me on twitter at riska v-r-i-s-k-a-c-h-a-t uh apologies to anyone following me that suffered through uh awesome games done quick as i shit posted my way through that entire week
1: (laughs) and how about you alex Uh, Well, you can find me on Twitter at Dude Exclamation. That's my main account. And at Weeb Simpsons, which is my shitpost account. (laughs) Um, If you like The Simpsons and also anime and games and manga and Japanese culture, uh, Weeb Simpsons is for you. Um, And I would also like to plug, uh, so I I do this thing called Super Art Fight around Baltimore and Washington. It's a uh, stage show that's like picture I meets pro wrestling. And we just released a card game uh, called Cute Animals on Fire. You can buy that on superartfight.com slash merch. Uh, they are $15 a pop, and I did some of the illustrations on uh, some of the cards. Oh, cool. Uh, That's really cool. And it's a, yeah, it's it's a really fun game. Uh, you don't have to be an artist in order to play it, so uh, tell your friends and um, get a copy of for yourself. It's fun. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Everybody should check that out. Um... I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter, and this just in. I have an Instagram now, uh, Joey Weiser Comics, so uh, check that out. Um, And uh, TragicPlanet.com is my homepage where you can see previews of my books and comics and things like that. Uh, I've got a brand new book coming out in May called uh, Ghost Hog, Um, so keep an eye out for that. And and, uh, the free comic book day issue uh, also in May uh, with some Ghost Hog stories in it. Uh, So please check all that stuff out and uh, follow our podcast uh, at Toho Yarrow on Twitter. Uh, You can like Toho Yarrow's Facebook page or email us toho at gmail.com and uh, rate and review uh, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right. See you next month for Lone Wolf and Cub.